0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Huddle on this Monday. We are here recording episode 99, uh, as we are one episode away from the 100th episode special. But I am Zach Kroll, along with my co-host, The Real Lil, and we have a very special guest that will be joining us today, and I will be throwing the mic over to my guy, Lil, to introduce him
1: yeah man episode 99 we got the big one double o on the way i can't wait for that one and look man i'm about to be on vacation i'm going to florida so the next time we record i'm gonna be in a different background i'm gonna have a, a coconut in my hand with some sunglasses on and we gonna do things right the only way how the real lil knows how to do it but i ain't gonna look ahead even though i already looked ahead we got a show to complete and i'm happy to chop it up with you zach and our guest that we have here on today's episode
0: Absolutely so. Before we get started, I'll uh, actually introduce him. This guy is joining us right in time because yesterday was actually the final day of the NBA regular season. And as we get closer to the NBA playoffs, we're going to be talking more and more basketball on this show, and we are really looking forward to that. So with that being said, I'm introducing our guest today. He is an NBA content creator, and he's going to be joining us discussing all things NBA uh, going all around the playoffs. My guy, isaiah joins in the huddle how we doing today Brody?
2: oh man how's everything going everything's great man mixing in the playoffs and can't be more excited
0: (laughs) awesome yeah so i am here once again with isaiah and my guy the real will let's get right into it so here in new york it is a very exciting time for the first time In about seven years, the New York Knicks will be heading to the playoffs. And not only will they be heading to the playoffs, but they clinched yesterday the number four seed in the Eastern Conference with the big win over the Boston Celtics, which not only gives us, as Knicks fans, a a playoff series, but home court advantage, which really is an exciting time uh, to be a Knicks fan. And we're going to play the Atlanta Hawks. That's a very uh, even matchup, the 4-5 matchup. And, Will, I'll throw it over to you to start off. As a Knicks fan, when the buzzer sounded in the fourth quarter on Sunday against the Celtics, what came to mind for you?
1: Man, I don't want to get on this show and start crying, man. But mm-hmm. I tell you, it was tears of joy. You know, just I feel like I'm living a dream. You know, like Biggie, it was all a dream. I, I, It felt like a dream because I'm so used to the Knicks losing each year, you know, being irrelevant, even though because they're the Knicks, they should be relevant. I just think when the Knicks are good, the NBA as a product, is better, much better when the Knicks are good. I don't care about L.A. L.A., is, it was always been good, but the NBA ratings has been going down and up, down and up, and down as of this year. So when the Knicks is better, the Knicks is rising, it's good for the league. I want to shout out Coach Thibodeau and Leon Rose. First of all, Leon Rose with the hire of Coach Thib. You know, I know a lot of people would split on the hire – I was going back and forth with it. I did say it was a good hire, all in all, and he proved me right. He should be coach of the year having those guys play. Listen, this is not the most talented roster out here. This is not your Kyrie Irving. This is not your Kevin Durant. But what they do have is heart, and they bring it on the defensive end of the court all the time, and sometimes their defense creates their offense. And Julius Randle as well, being a guy that's been an all-around play this year, he's not – going to get his only bucket of fried chicken. He's actually going to spread the rock. And that's why you see the development of RJ Barrett and the rest of the, 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 you know, the units. And I saw New Orleans Noel four blocks yesterday. I'm liking what I see. They compete. And that's why we're in the playoffs today. And I can't wait. Isaiah, how about
2: you? Oh, man. Listen, last season, the Knicks were horrendous. Looking at Julius Randle driving to the paint, doing those half spins used to make me sick to my stomach. It was a turnover or was a bad shot every single time. I don't know what happened after those six, like seven months he was practicing, working extremely hard. His gameplay is at another level. Like, announcers are discussing, they have yet to see a player who could come into the seventh season and improve in this kind of facet. He went from a player who looked like he was on a decline into an MVP candidate. Bringing the New York Knicks from 21 and 45 to 41 and 31 this season. And it's amazing how we shout out Leon Rose. We have to shout out World Wide West. We have to shout out Scott Perry. These, um, the organization did a great job this season. You know, the organization was a laughingstock with so many seasons. We had the Bargnanis in the world coming in here and stinking it up. We got bad draft picks after bad draft picks, players being hurt. And it seems like this team is all together. The two picks that I like to highlight, Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina, who came in, once they came in, it seemed like they were bust. It seemed like they didn't know what they were doing. Somehow, some way, Tibbs is instilling some confidence in them. The last couple of games, you see Frank shooting in people's face without even hesitating. That's something that we have yet to see. We have yet Frank see the Frank do in past seasons. Frank Kevin Knox. He comes in even though he's getting garbage minutes. He comes in full confidence, head of steam, getting steals, dunking the ball. You know, and the team is still fully together even when they're not getting minutes. Um, I also want to highlight. The Knicks are first in opponents per game, first in opponents field goal percentage, first in three-point opponents point um, three-point percentage. This is the first time a team has done it since 1992 and 1993, and the last team to do that was the New York Knicks.
0: Yeah, you actually stole my thunder a little bit there. I was going to bring up, uh, I think, that exact same graphic that you were uh, talking about. So the Knicks this year, first in opposing uh, points against, first in a po- opposing field goal percentage, first in opposing three-point field goal percentage, and fourth in defensive uh, rebounding. And last year, that they were at least in the middle of the pack or worse in all four of those stats. So for anyone that says, even in a league like the NBA, coaching doesn't matter, I think that is a prime example of why that statement is just false. I got to tell you guys, though, the other night watching the Knicks uh, on TNT against the Lakers, it was a tough, tough loss. But I'll say this, man, that was one of the most excited I ever really remember myself being for a regular season NBA basketball game. And it was a tough loss. But even without LeBron, it really did feel like the Knicks belonged. And the fact that the Knicks were able to take advantage uh, this past week, winning their last three games of the season at home. Uh, that comeback win against the spurs the other night that was magical man that was that was just a a win that gave this team so much confidence and look speaking of confidence we have the atlanta hawks coming up this is a team that we played very well against during the regular season now i know trey young is a baller i like their team a lot uh the veterans Galinari bogdanovich uh, that they brought in capella but the knicks should have some confidence going into this series and then we'll see what it goes from there what i will say though guys It is so nice to have the Knicks relevant again, as Lil said. I think that in New York, we know how important sports are as a whole, especially during this time of year. I say it all the time. As much as I love football season, I think this time of year in the sport calendar might just be my favorite time of the year when you have the basketball playoffs starting up, you have the NHL playoffs starting off, you have uh, baseball starting off. And it's interesting when you have all those sports going on When the Knicks are good, they are New York's number one team. They are the team that people get the most excited about. And there used to be a thing a little bit before our time. There was a a message that would go around the city that baseball season wouldn't start until the Knicks season is over. And I think we're starting to get uh, a little bit of those vibes back here in 2021. And Tom Thibodeau, as a member of that Knicks uh, coaching staff in the 90s with Jeff Van Gundy, has done a really good job Uh, doing what a lot of people said he couldn't do, and that's installing this tough, hard-nosed system into an NBA team. A lot of people say, oh, the superstars, the stars of today, they don't buy into that. Well, yes, in some cases that's true, but for a team like the Knicks who needed a little bit of a kick in the butt and we see the improvements of guys like Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, we see guys like Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson come into this system where, let's face the facts, there are very few uh, other teams in the league that they could be doing that with. So Tom Thibodeau deserves so much credit and let's see what happens in the playoffs. I'm excited. And it's a great time to be a Knickman.
2: fan. hundred percent, man. You get it right on the nail, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. No, no, you no, I just good. want to add on to um, also the two rookies, Emmanuel quickly Obi topping uh, Toppin's not getting a bunch of minutes, but you see now he's getting a lot of confidence in that three point shot. I love it. Yeah. Emmanuel quickly shooting without a conscience. I love that as well. Sometimes they don't go in, but when they do, there's some big buckets.
1: Yeah, and you can always count on that defense of the Knicks because, you know, they have their stretches where they go cold offensively and they freeze and cold like they're in Alaska, but. As long as you bring that defensive intensity, that, that can always help you out. That will always keep you in games. And this is why I like that matchup against Atlanta because we all know Atlanta is an offensive juggernaut. You got Trey Young. You got Clint Capella. I love those two together because Clint Capella, he gets to the rack. And now you have a guy that can space the floor and give him those lobs. That's a perfect, you know, perfect duel right there as well as you got your shooters on the outside. But the Knicks have good defense, and there's a saying, defense wins championships. So I'm expecting the Knicks to get one here and still one. I'm not going too deep into my predictions as yet later on for the show. But I do like the Knicks' chances in this series. And one more point I want to make, you know, there's a talk about you need marquee free agents to win in the NBA. I think that's obvious. I think that's an obvious answer because you, you think about it, man. With all these super teams, it's unfair. It's an unfair balance in the league. But you cannot get superstars overnight. You have to make, meet them halfway. You know, I can't give somebody a job if you don't have nothing on, on his resume. So the Knicks have to get to the playoffs and show that they could compete sort of like what their counterparts, their Brooklyn counterparts did when they got to the playoffs and showed that they could, they could compete so it was, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant saw that and said, you know what, at least I know I'm going to go there in a good situation. So I think the Knicks is taking on that same formula. And even if they get bounced in this round or they make it past this round, I do think being New York, the lights, the garden, you, um, Zion Williamson, drooling over the Knicks, talking about this is his favorite place to play. He only played there one time, the other time in college. I think we're going to be guaranteed to get a free agent at some point. And I'm telling you this right now,
0: Lister Thomas on the mic. Yeah, well, that's a great point. If you remember, I said this uh, a while ago, this Nick team and what they were doing really before, you know, obviously what they're doing now, it's a great story, but even early in the season when they were hovering around 500 and when they were in the playoffs for you know for the latest time in the season as long as in a while, it kind of reminded me of that Brooklyn Net team from a couple years ago with D'Angelo Russell and a Spencer Dinwiddie. And what people say is, and I totally agree, if that team doesn't happen, then Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin, those guys aren't in Brooklyn right now. And who knows where the Nets are? And the thing with the Knicks is I think – Everyone is seeing right now, no matter how relevant and how good the Brooklyn Nets are, when the Knicks are good, New York basketball runs through them. So if free agents like Zion Williamson and other people see that, they're going to want to play for New York. They see the improvements that guys like Julius Randle and RJ Bad are making under Tom Thibodeau, and it's great to see. It really is. I just so, want to make oh, oh, one point That's real it. quickly. I just want to make one point.
1: Derek Rose. That that was a good pickup right there. And a lot of people question it. You know, everybody got an opinion. It is what it is. It's sports. You know, a lot of people said it was gonna hinder the development of the young guys like Emmanuel Quickly, Peyton, and that sort. But I think them getting Derek Rose has actually helped the Knicks to where they are right now because he actually helps those young guys. He shows them this is how you win. And you need that guy going into the playoffs, a veteran that been there before that ben to the playoffs before that played at a high level, a level in the big moments in the playoffs before. I think that Thibodeau, he, he likes to coach guys that he can trust along with development, obviously development is not his strong suit, but if you can have that mixture and when the Knicks do get these marquee free agents, I don't want them to fully copy that Brooklyn blueprint. I think that There should be a level of balance. Some young guys that help you get to that spot that can still ball and some superstars, not just literally, you know, you're you're the DJ and you're you're Kevin Durant and you're James Harden and you're Kyrie and you say, you know what, get out. Everybody get out the party. We running the show now. No, I want some of these young guys there. I want Randall to still be there. I want Quickly to still be there. And we could get these guys during free agency, so we probably don't
0: have to trade them. So I hope we be able to do it that way. Yeah, just one quick point uh, on Derrick Rose, and I'll throw it over to Isaiah. Um, I think it's so cool that what we forget sometimes is a lot of these players, the young players on these Knicks, they're very close to our age, and they saw growing up how good a 22-year-old Derrick Rose was winning the MVP, playing for Tom DiBito, and the fact that he's still in the league doing his thing shows this team a lot, and it gives the young players confidence that uh, when you believe in a coach like uh, Coach Tibbs, the results will eventually come.
2: I agree with both of you guys with the Derrick Rose um, accusation. Could be, I mean, I um, pick up because um, when Derrick Rose got picked up, a lot of people were saying, oh, we're trading Dennis Smith Jr., a young player who still has something to prove and a draft pick that we want to keep. And I didn't see that. For some reason, I thought Dennis Smith Jr. needed to go to a place where he needed minutes. He wasn't getting that in New York. And he went to De- – I mean, he traded to Detroit to get those minutes. D. Rose wanted to be in a position to win. He came to New York thinking, I'm under my coach. We could win. Derrick Rose is still showing that he could – make these amazing moves and he got opponents in awe of what he can do. And he has an analyst saying, wow, he, the vintage Rose, but it's every night is vintage Rose. So it's rather he never left or he's been hiding his, um, inner and the skills for a long time now, but Derek Rose is a great pickup. Um, it's funny that, um, a lot of people still make, still make that comparison of the old Nets and the Knicks with the old Nets with the, um, DeAndre Russell, the Leverts, Dinwiddie and the Knicks now, I think I compare the Knicks now to when Brad Stevens first went to the Celtics, when he implemented a brand new system and the players started to begin to um, like the system. They like the coach. They believed in him. And when you saw what they believe in, you saw an amazing product of great defense and great offense combining into one. Now our offense is still um, getting up there as players are starting to get more comfortable with the shooting, the open threes, and Randall getting the buckets that he needs to get. I think to the point we could become the new Boston Celtics where we have a high octane offense mixed in with a high octane defense and the coach and the team believes in a coach a lot to where they're comfortable with any changes that he's willing to make.
1: And you mentioned the point. Uh, I just want to touch on this real quickly. Well, you mentioned the point about Derek Rose and how all of a sudden we see this rejuvenation well i can say we see the same thing with blake griffin in brooklyn so i think sometimes where you all matters you know if you're not playing for nothing and you're losing you're not gonna bring it all the time mind you these are two guys what do they have in common injury prone so now you go to a situation where you don't have to take the load you're in a situation where they was winning games without you and all we need you to do is be half of what you was before with that veteran leadership evolving you know, your game, because the, Derek Rose is shooting more threes now. Obviously not perfect, not a knockdown three-point shooter, but he's still taking them. Blake Griffin, he evolved his three-point shooting game. So I think at some point in your career, you have to evolve your game, and I see that from Blake Griffin and Derek Rose.
2: One last point. Uh, I think the Knicks, the last time I checked, eight players over 40% shooting from the three-point line. I don't remember the last time the Knicks had eight players shooting over 40%. That's pretty uh, cool. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I honestly think um, this Knicks team is something to marvel at. Um, first, team, first season with Tibbs, and you've seen this, first season with Leon Rose, you are seeing a great product. Um, I just hope, you know, I hope that the Knicks uh, reconsider uh, bringing Scott Perry back. I know he's done last year of his contract. I think he did a pretty good job with um, bringing in Bullock, bringing in certain players. I mean, I know Leon Rose gets the final say-so, but I think, the, I think he had a little say-so like, hey, look at this player, look at that player some players that we looked at as a, I guess, a sign and trade, like we're going to sign them. And once they get their value up, we trade them. I think they kind of proved their value. I hope we free sign these guys back. Um, and I hope we keep these guys, this kind of roster, this gritty roster mixed in with great, um, good offensive movement, because um, no, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of Knicks, fans, including myself, we didn't expect this kind of season where we're going to be fourth home court advantage against the Atlanta Hawks, a favorable matchup going in, you know, and it's like, it's it's a, a great time to be a Knicks
1: fan. But um, as we move on to the next topic here, Zach, I'm actually gonna read this one because I have a lot to say about this and I'm gonna pass it to y'all. Urban Meyer is set to sign Tebow as tight end. Also says Travis Etienne will work out as a wide receiver at the Jaguars minicamp. I'm guessing being a Percy Harvin type of dude. What should we think about Urban Meyer's moves as head coach so far? And I'm going to just say this real quickly, and I'm going to pass the rock. Um, I, I remember last week we had our show where we talked about our top three most improved teams this offseason. I actually had the Jaguars number one. And it's not because I think the Jaguars is automatically going to make the playoffs next year and, and be a contender and win their division, the AFC South. It's because on paper with the additions, I think that they get they have guys that they can plug in and play and help that team get better. Now I didn't take into consideration the coaching and how Urban Meyer is going to experiment with that team. And I said, it may work out. It may not, but on paper, they got better now. With the news about Tim Tebow, I have a few things to say about it. Listen, I speak my mind, and I think a lot of people that watch this show, they like the fact that I'm always honest and I'm always respectable. I respect a lot of cultures around the world, and I say, you know, I have my takes. But I also say, give me a take so we can sit here and dialogue as men. And one of the things that I, I dislike about the Tim Tebow thing, and I'm kind of like torn, I'm kind of mutual, because I really feel like it shows you the example that the NFL then really – mean it when they said that they were sorry to Colin Kaepernick because Colin Kaepernick actually was in the league longer than Tebow. And we already know why he wasn't, you know, why he's not on the roster right now, you know, and those are definitely politics involved. But I just think it, it's, it, with Urban Meyer, there's a lot of questionable moves. I like Tebow as a person, you know, I'm, I don't want to bring him into a situation where he's getting a job, he's getting a payday, and I'm over here questioning that. I just want there to be more fairness. And as far as the moves with Urban Meyer, I think that, look, I'm going to give him his opportunity to show us what he can do because it's one thing to do something and nobody agrees with you or saying that you're going to mess up, but it's another thing to know and have a vision of what you want to do. So I'm going to give Urban Meyer a chance, but I really do feel like Colin Kaepernick should have had an opportunity. And I, I just don't like the message that signing Tim Tebow is sending. that? I, said-
2: um, I agree hundred percent, man. I, Personally, um, I don't think Tebow should have got signed. Um, even if you look at it as, a, as a, a football player standpoint, he, you know, he had a subpar, I would say, and that's probably being generous uh, NFL career. He was an amazing collegiate athlete, and we understand that. And we also understand that, you know, he played well in Florida, like extremely well in Florida. He was the highlight of almost every ESPN show that came on a daily basis, but I think, you know, I don't know if Urban Meyer is just looking at Tebow and say, I want to give this man another shot because he deserves it or whatever. But I don't see why you bring back Tebow. And then on top of that, on top of already drafting Lawrence, I don't want to see, I don't see you, why you put Tebow as a tight end. I just don't see what he does. I don't know if he's seen him block a, a lineman before. And it's like, yeah, he could do this on a daily basis. I'm not, I don't really see why you bring in a guy like Tebow to fill in a tight end role. And I also don't know if that's a good thing to do as a first year as a coach, to bring Tim Tebow into your locker room. I don't know if that's a smart locker room choice or move. Um, this team is going to be interesting to watch throughout the season because there's going to be a lot of experiments that Urban Meyer is willing to do. His coaching record, of course, you have to respect it, 187-32, and 12-3 and three in bowl games. He's a respected coach on any level. Um, But it's going to be a lot of work now, even without the record. With the record, it's going to be a lot of um, work to get that locker room behind you and say, I I trust you and I trust the moves you're making.
0: All right. So, uh, Will, it's funny how – I'm going to start off the same way you did when you said uh, last week on this show you uh, named the Jaguars your most improved team. And it's funny because I I wanted to agree. Like, like I I like a lot of the moves the Jaguars have made. But at the same time, I did think to myself, you know – it is hard for a college coach to come into the NFL and to have success. Nick Saban, for God's sakes, couldn't win in the NFL. Uh, Chip Kelly, we've seen plenty of other examples of college head coaches coming to the NFL where it doesn't work. But I thought with Urban Meyer gifted Trevor Lawrence, one of the best quarterback prospects I've ever seen, you know, maybe this could work. But then he brings in Tim Tebow as his tight end. The question is, what is the risk, risk reward here? Like if Tim Tebow as a tight end works, how is that going to improve your football team? Now they drafted Travis ETM. Now I am a guy who has been very, very stern on the statement. If you draft a running back in the first round, that's fine, but you're, you better not have other holes because kind of like when the Cowboys drafted Ezekiel Elliott, that was, I had no problem with that pick because they were ready to win uh, in that, in that position. But the Jaguars won, what, two games last year? One game? Why are they drafting a running back when they had James Robinson out here, uh, one of the biggest surprises in the league? And when it comes to Urban Meyer, I thought John Gruden was a head coach transformed as a reality TV star. What is, why is this guy trying to reinvent the wheel? This guy hasn't even coached a game yet. I have no confidence in this guy who's coming in right away and putting Tim Tebow, a guy who, if he called me up and said, I want to play tight end, I would have said for my alumni team, my high school alumni team, like this dude just got out of triple A baseball. Why should he be anywhere near an NFL team right now? And I agree with Lil when he says, you know, uh, he's a great guy. I love what he's done in the community. He obviously had a great career in Florida, but Urban Meyer, like, do you want to just show a little more favoritism? Travis Etienne, you drafted him in the first round. Why? Because he would take the ball from Trevor Lawrence and make defenders miss and be a very good running back. You're going to play him at wide receiver. If I'm any opposing team's defensive coordinator, I would take that matchup any day of the week. And when you're a rookie coach and you're trying to reinvent the wheel, it usually doesn't work. So once again, I wanted to believe in this Jaguar team and what they were doing, especially when you consider the fact that Urban Meyer, a very good college coach who was gifted a special talent in Trevor Lawrence. But I've just seen this movie way too many times before, and I have absolutely no confidence in the Jaguars right now.
2: I don't think anyone has confidence in the Jaguars. And <laughs> unfortunately, you know, and it's, it stinks because um, when Urban Meyer first got um, hired, I asked my friends. That's the first thing I asked. I said, what do you think about the move? They said, listen, this man has won a lot of games. Not just, just, not just even rec- like regular coaching season. Like he won a lot of bowl games. This guy, you have to trust him. And I'm like, okay, I guess, right? Like I don't, I don't really know what to say beyond that. He hasn't even like- been an
0: NFL assistant
2: coach. The- He's and-
0: never been on an NFL staff what, what tells me that he's going to be able to go into the league? And when he's making moves like this, why should I have any confidence?
2: Correct. And that's our, that's our initial reaction. Why should I have any confidence? You're bringing a quarterback who couldn't throw into the league to play tight end. Like, you know, that's, that's like questionable. That's extremely questionable. And- but your
0: first move is, ja- what, like, what is the first <laughs> move you're going to do as Jaguars coach? Bring in, in Tebow as your tight end. Good
2: luck. I don't, yeah. I don't understand it, man.
1: <laughs> and and I I would just add on to this, man. If you're Urban Maya, it's like you know I want to side with you. I want to see what you're doing. I don't like criticizing people when you have a thousand people criticizing people. I'm not that type of guy. I don't like to you know everybody is stoning somebody and I come with a stone and like all right, let me finish your job. No, I don't, I don't. I don't like doing that. But it's it's when you drive Travis Etienne right, who we who I thought was going to use as a two runner back punch a one two punch i didn't dislike the move i know you dislike the moves that i didn't dislike it. i'm like all right that's more help for trevor lawrence you won the football play action you have two running backs so one the, the wheels doesn't come off he still have you still have another guy and we saw how that worked with the Tampa Bay buccaneers with fournette and ronald jones when one wheels was coming off um fournette was able to take that extra load in the playoffs so i was fine with that but when you put him at wide receiver And you take Tebow off the couch and you say, you know what? You're going to be a tight end. I just think that, man, in this world, there's no such thing as – well, there is such thing as friends. But at the end of the day, business is business. And I I just – I don't like what he said. I think he's trying to, you know – be friends I'm surprised he didn't draft Justin Fields I told you that was probably gonna be a slight possibility because of the way how he was thinking and then you think about the questionable hire that he made when he um hired that strength and conditioning coach from Iowa he got backlash from it so I think Urban Meyer right now I don't I don't I think he's gonna have a, a rude awakening in the right. NFL for sure all
0: of the stories that you just mentioned spot on this guy hasn't even coached a game yet like just imagine when he starts coaching what's gonna happen no confidence
2: yeah and i think you uh the fans and also maybe even his locker room no confidence in in him and that's a terrible way to start off any organization oh man it's like yeah it's bad (laughs) it's bad
0: like i I just want to ask like uh, an ohio state fan or a florida fan like what is this guy doing like like i want to know what is he doing (laughs) like like i understand like why you have confidence but based on his college track record but this is a a brand new ball game like in college you could win based on your skills as a recruiter you could build relationships in uh these schools of high school families but in the nfl it is an even playing ground all these guys are making money uh and that is a locker room of 47 to 53 grown men who are ultra competitive all for the same thing and we know uh, we've heard our, our fair share of stories of crazy stuff that's happened in NFL locker rooms before with a rookie head coach. We'll see what ends up going down.
1: And Thanks. I'm worried about Urban Meyer because let's not forget Urban Meyer had health issues. That's the reason why he had to retire a couple of times in college. So if you're making moves like this, you're getting backlash short. I, 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 you can sit here and say you don't listen to sports talk radio. We know damn well, you do. And we know that you're hearing, the backlash you gained for the Tim Tebow Ohio. Right. Um, well, you didn't I'll know I'll the backlash one you was gained
0: before. Go ahead. I'm mention to another one. How about uh, the Zach Smith scandal at Ohio State, you know? Yeah. Like no one bring no one's bringing that up either. That's enough. you know, uh look at that Florida Gator team that won a national championship with Riley Cooper on that team, Aaron Hernandez on that team, mm-hmm. Percy Harvin. Aaron like look, look, at, look at what all those guys ended up becoming, man. So, it's going to be that's been a, a criticism of Urban Meyer in the past. I won't be I'm going to be surprised if he gave OJ a job. I mean, that's yeah. the way how he's doing it right <laughs> now. You know I mean?
1: So, you know, criminals, anybody, you know, you have a roster on my team if you can play or if there's some mutual connection. So I, I think that Urban Meyer, man, I hope it works out. I'm not praying on his downfall. I don't want nobody listening to the show thinking I want to see him fail. I want to see him prevail. But the moves that he's making, man, he got to send that away in the mail. I'm not
2: buying it. Honestly, I don't think right now no fans are buying it, and it's just going to he's gonna have to show us. And, and it's, it, these moves are so horrendous. It At this point, you have to say, let's see what happens. Because it is disgusting. Like, no analyst, no analytic person in the world could sit here and say, yeah, these moves make sense. These are, are going to help us win. I feel What's like that? this is very reminiscent to Moneyball from Athletics, the movie. Yeah. Like, when you just watch all the Athletics, all these, like, weird players put them in the, on a roster, and they started excelling. It's like, that's, that's the feel I'm getting, and I am hope I'm right. But these moves are nasty. Two. Welcome back to episode
0: 99 of In the Huddle. And we will be moving on to the next segment of today's show. And after discussing a little bit about the Knicks, we wanted to get into – really the whole nba playoff picture with the regular season ending yesterday it is now official we have the two uh, brackets one in the east one in the west and we are going to have a little bit of a rapid fire prediction segment now what is different about this year's nba playoffs opposed to years past uh, which everyone knows i'm sure is this play-in series uh the top six seeds in each conference are in the playoffs. They're good as a normal season, but then the seven seed will play the eight seed. The winner of that game will get the seven seed. The nine seed will play the 10 seed. The loser of that game is out, while the winner will take on the loser of that original seven, eight game for the eight seed. I know that sounded a little complicated, but it's very simple uh, once you just follow what exactly is going on. So we will start off, boys, in the Eastern Conference. We have the number seven seed Boston Celtics taking on the number eight seed Washington Wizards. The winner of this game will get the number seven seed in the East and a playoff date with the Brooklyn Nets. So, Isaiah, you're the guest, I'll throw it over to you. What do you like in this one?
2: I like the Wizards, Bradley Beal, Westbrook. Enough said.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I like the Wizards out of, the, out, of, out of this matchup. I like what they've been doing as of late. I think that it took, you know, it took some time for Bradley Bill and Russell Westbrook to get it going. Um, obviously I'm not too fond of their defense. I think that their offense can compete with anybody, even Brooklyn. They beat Brooklyn um twice this year. They can go toe-to-toe with Brooklyn, but can you stop somebody? But I do think that they will make enough stops. Um Jalen Brown is out for the Celtics. Give me the Washington Wizards in this series. I will
0: say, guys. There are plenty of times on this show where I'll have a take with some confidence and I'll just flat out be wrong. And I'll admit, I thought Russell Westbrook was done, man. I did not expect him to have this impact that he's having right now. And by the way, I am not a hater. He's had a phenomenal career. First ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best players I've ever seen. I just thought last year after watching him with the Rockets, I didn't know how much he had left, and especially going to a team like Washington. Like, is this Michael Jordan going to the Wizards again? But him and Bradley Beal have really stepped up, and it looks like they're having fun playing basketball in Washington for the first time in a while. Will, I got to be honest, I remember way back a couple months ago when we had uh, Corita on. From Washington and we were talking about the Wizards I did not expect them to be in this position back then I have much more confidence in the Wizards now than I did that day I'm going to agree with you guys I think the Celtics are a group of frauds I will take the Wizards (laughs) you will fall (laughs) moving on to the 9-10 game the Indiana Pacers taking on the Charlotte Hornets this game will be in Indiana at Bankers Life Fieldhouse now the loser of this game will be packing up their bags and going home while well, the winner will be taking on the loser of Celtics Wizards for the eighth seed. Will, who you got in this one? Well, I just want to say,
1: um, Charlotte, my brother, there's a good place in Cancun for you, man, for your vacations. You feel me? Um, Santa, I forgot the hotel name. I think it was Santa de Rio out there in Cancun my brother in case you want to know where you need to go when you go on vacation because you will be packing I'm going with the Pacers in this one I like what Sabonis has been doing it's always a bonus when you have Sabonis on the floor and we saw this year how he has been just carrying that team playing a lot of minutes I'm going to go with the Pacers I think that they have that playoff experience that can carry over into the series in a playing game where it's win or go home give me the Pacers.
2: You know, in other circumstances, if Nick McMillan was still in Indiana, I would have agreed with you. Um, that new coaching staff, the players don't like them. And it seems like there's a disconnect there. And I got Charlotte winning. I think P.J. Washington, Malik Bridges, and Michael Bridges. And I'm not Michael. Malik, uh, Malik, ah, Malik Monk. And Miles. Miles Bridges. Yeah, there you go. I don't know why I was tongue I apologize. You're I think good. those three are X factors in his, in his lineup. I think Rosier's going to get 20 points a game. He's a, a very aggressive scorer. He's going to get his points. But I, I got Charlotte coming out of um, out of that lineup, that uh, matchup.
0: I'm actually going to agree with, with Isaiah. I think that Indiana is really regretting letting Nate McMillan go, especially when we consider uh, what he's doing in Atlanta with that Hawks team. And the thing with the Hornets is this. I think for the first time in a while, even though Gordon Hayward is going to be out, which is a tough, tough break, he's been much better this year than I could have ever expected him. But the guys – like Lamello Ball and P.J. Washington and Terry Rozier and even a kid, McDaniels, Devontae Graham. Miles Bridges, probably the best pure dunker in the NBA right now. I love Sabonis. I really do. I just don't know if he has enough help. I think the Hornets have the big coaching edge in this game with James Borrego, the uh, Greg Popovich disciple, leading the way. I am with Isaiah, and I will take the Hornets to pull the upset and eliminate Indiana. All right, moving on to the next game, which we would predict to be the Boston Celtics taking on uh, whoever, uh, you know, if you're a little Indiana, if you're me or Isaiah, Charlotte. Um, Isaiah, I'm going to throw it over to you, man. Before we started the show, you hinted at it a little bit that you had a take on the Boston Celtics uh, before the season started and the fact that, you know, they've suffered a lot of injuries this year. So I understand why they're not a top three, a top four seed. In the East. But at the same time, I think it is very fair right now to have a little bit of question or a little bit of doubt about Brad Stevens as a coach, considering how high regards he was held in his first couple of years, leading them to the Eastern Conference finals without a healthy, a healthy Kyrie Irving. But the last couple of years, I don't think anyone's going to deny they've disappointed in the playoffs. And this year, they haven't been going in the right direction.
2: I agree. Listen, man. I I've been saying this for a long time. Um, it seems that the Boston Celtics have been trying to replace Kyrie Irving since he left. Um, they got Kimball Walker, and um, you know he's putting up numbers. He's putting up good numbers on Boston Celtics, but it's not what they needed. You know, and I even when the Celtics got Kyrie Irving, that's not what it, they needed. They had a, a roster already set to succeed. They had a gritty team that worked with a lot of young players, but also with you know those good, really good role players and Hayward. Or not not he was a uh, he was a star player at the time but the, the role players that they had were crowder they had players going on going in and i think at this point in time this that Celtics roster is starting to give up on them little by little we've seen this on many coaches great coaches where their roster little by little starts to give up on them and like they just don't play at the level that they once was even with Greg Pop when they Spurs snapped their 20 year streak of playoffs. You know you saw the roster wasn't playing to that level of Greg Popness you know the what the Spurs what well, made the Spurs the Spurs. And it's just, it's messed up to see the Celtics playing in this fasted, but I don't know if um, Brad Stevens is going to be there for much longer.
1: Yeah, I, I would add on to that. I think the Spurs and the Celtics situation is a little bit different. I think with Brad Stevens, I, I really feel like he coaches role players best. That's where he's at his best. He can't handle stars. That's why him and Kyrie Irving didn't work. When you notice, when he had success in Butler, it was with, you know, mild talent, not just superstars. And I really feel like, Jalen Brown is coming into his own. Tatum is coming to their own. So when they was babies in the league, they was much better off. They should have came out the East. So now that they becoming, they becoming a star, I just feel like he doesn't know how to coach
0: stars and what it means to coach a star in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the case. To be honest, I just watched the guy coach and I just don't know how much of a difference he makes. That's what he was brought into, or at least That's what he was hyped up to be as, this difference-making coach. And I understand in the NBA, it's a professional sport. So the coach could only have so much impact. But at the same time, when I see guys like Tom Thibodeau, when I see guys like Nate McMillan and the changes that their teams have gone uh, since they've taken over and how instantly the culture has changed, I feel like the Celtics with Brad Stevens, they're getting kind of stale. And I just don't know what direction that's going to take them in long-term. But anyway, let's get to uh, how we think they're going to do. Do we think it's going to be so bad for Boston that they're not even going to make it out of the play-in series?
2: Um, yeah, I don't think they're making making it out of the play-in series. I, I think they, you know, they go home. And I think they have to reassess, you know, with the injuries that they have. Of course, there was injury riddled the entire season. I think the starting five of that roster didn't play a lot of minutes. I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was a handful of games they played together. Um, you know they get they get healthy and they figure out next season what they're gonna do because the East is getting better and you know their t- their you know games are getting numbered to how long we could, they could um, Danny Ainge is gonna last to see how this team's gonna do. I already see Danny Ainge making a big move at the end of the season. It might be drastic, but that's Danny Ainge for you.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think um, when you look at Boston, like every year in the NBA playoffs, that uh, there's that one surprise team like the Clippers last year that just gets knocked out early in a spot where no one expected them to, I can definitely see that happening to Boston. Do I think on paper they're the better team than Charlotte? Absolutely. But I think Charlotte is playing with a bit more swag right now. I think they want it more. And I think that Boston is really going to have to evaluate. And I think there is a chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think there is a chance that uh, if not one of Brad Stevens or Danny Ainge doesn't have a job, Uh, day one of the season next year i'm not saying it's going to happen but i think there's about a 40 to 50 percent chance that one of them is gone and those uh, percent chances are rising with every loss they have
1: yes sir and i agree i think the celtics will be going home um if we get get to the next couple of games that we have here um to close out the first round let's go with the the bucks and the miami a playoff rematch from
0: last year who do y'all guys got Oh. I'll take Milwaukee in this one. Um, I love Miami. As a Knick guy, I really didn't want them to match up with Miami. I have so much respect for Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler and everything that they accomplished last year. But at the same time, I just think that this is the Bucks' time. And I understand they matched up in the playoffs last year, and Miami really punked them. They beat them. It, it wasn't close, and I give the Heat so much credit for that. But at the same time, I think we've seen the effects a little bit of the bubble uh, coming into the Miami regular season. They, I don't want to say they've had a disappointing season because they've been hot to end. But at the same time, I like the moves the Bucks did make. I understand that a big critique of them has been, okay, did. Can they even surround Giannis with enough star potential? And they did it the best they could do for the last couple of years. But making upgrades like swapping out uh, Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday, that's a great yeah, move definitely. in a guy like P.J. Tucker. I don't know how far it's going to get them, but I think when you combine the improvements of Milwaukee and the fact that Miami is just a little banged up, a little tired, I'll take the Bucks on this one.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and you could tell with um, the Lakers is- – and Miami, what are those those two teams have in common? They were playing in the finals a couple months ago. So I think that because they were the last teams to leave the bubble, it's almost like a bubble curse. Because now they come into the season that started early, and now they injured, and they banged up. Throughout the year, Miami was always injured. That team was always injured throughout the whole year. The Lakers is dealing with their injuries, trying to get guys back. And I just think that when you talk about the criticisms of Milwaukee before and Giannis, his backside becoming a little bit more tighter when it gets to the playoff times, you know. And you 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 throw three guys on him, and nobody else could do the job. You were relying on Chris Middleton to bail you out. Now you don't got to rely on Chris Middleton because he got Drew Holiday that's more than capable of hitting the game winning shot, and we all know what he does defensively and offensively as well. PJ Tucker. So you got you got yourself a squad now, and I think that's going to pay dividends in the series. I like the Bucks.
2: I think Miami what they have a they do a great job in is studying superstar talent for whatever reason, when they play against a superstar, they play extremely well. And I think in this particular case, they're going to have a lot of different, I guess, weapons or defenders thrown at Giannis to the point where he's going to get tired during the series. And we've seen it every year. Giannis gets gassed out during this playoff series. He gets tired driving into the paint for 48 minutes in a seven game series. Um, I'm a. I think my aim is a pull the upset. I, I see them doing it.
1: I, I say Bucks and six. I'm gonna give my game six. I, I say Buck, <laughs> Bucks and six, and a close six, cause I like Miami, and I know Jimmy Butler. If you have Jimmy Butler on your team, you're in good hands, because he's a dog. He's not one of them them young stars that you know is is the the moment is too big for him. He's gonna go out there and he's gonna give it his all. He can uh, he could be a scorer that takes over the game, or he could be a distributor that help his team get, teammates get involved. So I don't like betting against Jimmy Butler, but I I think the Bucks have enough this year.
2: One thing uh, I think Shannon Fry likes to say a lot, um, uh, these players like to play in the mud. They, they're gritty. They, they like to play. They like those real um, physical games. And I don't know if the Bucks are going to out-physical the Miami Heat. I, I don't see it. Especially they got another gritty player in, Dwayne Demon, who likes to get very physical. We've seen him in many series against um, LeBron in Miami. He likes to get physical with these players. Um, it's going to be an interesting series, to say the least, but I think Miami's going to pull it out in six.
1: Wow. We got the Knicks and the Hawks. We we briefly talked. We briefly talked about it. We here we like
2: Isaiah. Talk to me. Listen, I think um you know I, I like I like doing the nice uh crazy takes, but I think the Knicks are in four zero. I think they're gonna sweep them. I think the Knicks have a, have a blueprint on Atlanta. They like to get physical with them, and I think the playoff atmosphere. The Hawks are gonna expect a lot of you know free throws, a lot of you know get, get me get me to the line kind of plays. It's not gonna happen like that in the playoffs. They like to let them play. So I think the Knicks are going to be very physical on them early on and it's going to take away their confidence.
0: Zach? Yeah, I I like the Knicks to win, but I think it's going to be – it's not going to be that easy. I'm going to take the Knicks in seven. I think Atlanta, what they've done so far this season has been impressive. Nate McMillan coming in. Let's not forget, guys, the Hawks early in the season were one of the most disappointing teams in the league. I was – very high on them uh, based on all the moves they made. But Lloyd Pierce was just not getting the job done. They fire in midseason. And Nate McMillan, a guy who did wonders in Portland, a guy who did wonders in Indiana, one of the most underrated coaches in the league. I have a lot of respect for him. And yeah. even though the Knicks played well uh, against the Hawks, I think it's going to be a tough series. I like the Knicks in seven. I do give Atlanta a legit shot to win, though. There's going to be the
1: battle of the coach. You got Coach Thibodeau. You got Nate McMillan. So who's gonna play? Who's gonna win the checkers? You know, and um, I would say this: I'm gonna take the the New York Knicks in six. I think that it's gonna be a close six. It's gonna be some close games. It seems like the next games always oh, come down to the wire, so it's hard for me to think that they're gonna win in five simply because the Knicks kind of give you at the edge of your seat. Last, yesterday, you know, a game that they should have won by twenty plus points ended up becoming a good game. I think my um the Hawks is gonna steal a couple games, but I do like the Knicks
0: eventually to close it out in six. All right, so let's continue with the East. Uh, We both like Boston getting knocked out uh, prior to the uh, playing round, so that would set up the next matchup of Washington and Brooklyn. I'll start this one off. I think this is going to be a competitive, fun series. I'll take the Nets in six. I think they're going to make us sweat a little bit. I think uh, it's not that easy to just have your three stars come back with seven games, you know, only playing seven games. I think Russell Westbrook, he, he's a dog, man. He's going to come to play each and every night. I think Brad Beal a guy that could just drop 30 to 40 points any night. I love the improvements of the young Washington team. I think this is going to be a competitive series. I like Brooklyn at six. I
2: yeah. agree. Brooklyn at six. Um, I have 100%. There's going to be a lot of points scored on the board. It might go to 130, 140 at night between both teams. Um, I just love that KD, Harden versus Westbrook and Beal matchup. Kyrie's going to get his buckets, so he's not excluded. But the big three versus the mighty two, I guess you could call it. I don't know, dynamic duo, however you want to phrase it. Um, I, I like this matchup a lot, and I hope the Wizards get past the Boston team to get to that um, Brooklyn versus Washington matchup.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm in the greens with both the you uh, I'm going to go with the Brooklyn Nets in six. Look, I love what Russell Westbrook has done this year. And he's kind of like, I know he gets a lot of flack in the past for myself. But one thing I always respected about Russ is that he brings the intensity every night. And I just don't know how he does it. I think because he gets all this triple doubles, he was labeled as a stack machine. And I called him that before. So I came to the forefront and I came on my social media and I owned my mistake, you know? And I, I realized it's not about patting your stats. is about bringing it. You don't just get 15 rebounds off an of accident. Guys don't just move out the way for you to pad your stats. It's because you work hard for it every night. And I just believe that he's going to work hard. There's sometimes in the playoffs where I think he does run out of steam. And going up against the Nets is going to be a tough thing to do, especially because the Wizards do not play defense. So do, so is the Nets. They don't play good defense. I expect a lot of points. I expect a lot of high scoring games within the games but I'm going to go with the Nets eventually in six to pack them up.
0: Mm -hmm. And that leaves us with the final Eastern Conference matchup. The number one seed, Philadelphia. I feel like I've never heard a number one seed talked about less than the Philadelphia 76ers. They will be taking on either Indiana or Charlotte, depending on who you have. I assume we all have Philadelphia in this matchup, but what are your guys' number one concern for Philadelphia in a possible first round matchup?
1: Well, I think the first round they're going to get off easily. You know, I think the first round, they're going to be fine. But my major concern with them going forward deeper into the playoffs is do they have that guy is, is Embiid mature enough this year to take on that responsibility to bring it in a seven game series against the other superstars that they will be playing in the Eastern conference. Ben Simmons sometimes becomes a liability because he does not shoot. So Embiid is gonna be even more important than Embiid. You also got Tobias Harris, who's been bringing He's had a solid year this year. If he can carry that into the playoffs, I like the 76ers' chances to get very deep into the Eastern Conference, but it all depends on the maturity of this team. They don't have that Jimmy Butler, that dog, that is gonna take that final shot with pride. You know, he'll shoot it with his eyes closed if he had to. You know, with 10 dudes on him, he's gonna take the shot. Do they have somebody there that's going to do it? Tobias Harris was that guy throughout the regular season. Will that carry into the playoffs? That's my major concern with the 76ers. But I think whether it's um, Charlotte or the Pacers in this series, I think they packed them up in four. sweep.
2: I agree. I think it's a sweep. Um, I think my major concern is not even a player on the floor. It's um the coach, Doc Rivers. We've seen Doc Rivers in multiple playoff series not make the proper adjustments to win the games. And sometimes there's simple adjustments. Um, I don't know if he's a stubborn coach or if he sees something differently than we see, but uh, I think sometimes he's overly confident in his players to make the right play, and they just don't make them. So I I hope that he's learned from his previous, you know, mistakes, and he makes the proper adjustments going forward so that they could potentially get to that finals. But I got him 4 row in the sweep.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I, I think uh, I'll be curious to see what Indiana and or Charlotte does. I think if you're Indiana and you make it out, you don't want to get swept, man. That would just get, if you get swept for the second year in a row in the first third year in a row, actually uh, I don't know where exactly you would go from here. Um, And you just hired a new coach last year. So um, I like Philadelphia pretty easy in that first round series as well. Uh, The West let's go to the playing series there. Um, We have Memphis and the Spurs. This is kind of the, uh, undercard compared to the other 7-8 uh, game. Uh, I'll throw it over to you guys. Any uh, main thoughts on this one? Any of you guys like?
2: I would like to see what Dylan Brooks does. The Mr. Um, I I'd say he's so inconsistent. I For some reason, he used to get under my skin when we used to play him because he was so gritty, but I've learned to love him as a player. He plays every minute while he's on the floor. His shot IQ is very questionable, to say the least, but when he's hot, there's no one that could guard him. It is a very interesting thing to watch him play against a Spurs team who have so many young players, so af- so many athletic players, and especially DeRozan who can score, give you 30 points. I want to see what he does against them because I think that might be the key matchup, Dylan Brooks versus DeRozan. Um, I think, in my opinion, I think the Spurs pull out this window. Uh, I think they're going to win and go into that next uh, that next um, matchup, whoever they play in that 7-8. Isaiah, let me tell you, man.
1: Oh, go ahead. No, give me Jer- Jared Jackson. You know, give me Jaron Jackson. That's the guy that I'm looking at because when he came back, obviously he was out for the year. That first game he came back, he looked really good. And and now, you know, I don't think he has that impact that we thought he would have had that he had before he went through to the injury. And I think Jonas Valanciunas, the way how he's been balling, kind of hinders him a little bit and affects Jaron Jackson. So I want to see if we see a, a, a better Jaron Jackson, that Jaron Jackson that – helped John Morant, you know, before you know, before he got hurt. So I'm interested in seeing that. I actually like the Grizzlies here to pack the Spurs up in the first round
0: in a playing yeah, game, um,
1: my fault, in the playing game.
0: Yeah, uh, Isaiah, let me tell you, man. So uh, I, I obviously love basketball, but my main sport is college basketball. I'm a, a bigger college ball fan than the NBA. And when Dylan Brooks was in college, man, I, I'll tell you, man, there is not another player that made more clutch shots at the University of Oregon than this guy, and I'm not surprised at all that his uh, shot-making ability has transferred very nicely to the NBA. Uh, You combine him with a guy like John Moran. I love this Grizzlies team, man. I do. I agree with Will. I don't think that they're going to peak until Jaron Jackson gets 100% healthy and he could be that player that he was pre-injury because he's another guy that has just gotten better and better and better each year as he's gotten older. And hopefully that injury just doesn't derail him back. I respect the Spurs. I love Greg Popovich, obviously, and what they've done so far this season. But I think John Morant is going to be the best player on the floor in this game in Memphis. I will take the Grizzlies.
2: Real quick before we close out, um, the Grizzlies uh, brass has been rumored that they don't believe in Jaron Jackson's ability to lead this team or even be a cornerstone of this team. So they're going to revisit what he may mean to the team later after this offseason, during this offseason.
0: And maybe this playing game, you know, means a lot for his future. Well, who knows? Yeah, definitely. Correct. All right, boys. So the 7-8 game, this is the main event. And I feel like – I don't know how we got this game, man. I really don't. But I feel like Adam Silver has to be a pretty happy guy right now. Lakers and Warriors. I got to be honest with you guys. When LeBron signed with the Lakers, right – that's when I was like, give me these two teams in the playoffs. Like we have to see these two teams play sooner rather than later. And it's super unfortunate that Klay Thompson is not going to be a part of this series. But I just wanted to say, I'll start it off. Like, well, you mentioned earlier about Russell Westbrook and how there have been many times in your, in his career that you've doubted him. And sometimes you just got to admit when you're wrong. And I, I've never been a hater, but like, I am just more impressed and more impressed by Steph Curry Every time I watch this guy, like this guy is just a magician. And the fact that he's doing leading the league in scoring the year after he's injured. And he has the warriors, a team that let's face facts. We saw how bad they were when Steph was not in the lineup, they were irrelevant. We saw how quickly they fell off the roof and now Steph Curry is leading a team full of, you know, Draymond Green, and guys that as a diehard college fan, I know like Jordan Poole and Juan Toscano Anderson and Eric Pascal. but what's, you know, more normal NBA fans, like they don't really know who those guys are, and I give so much props and respect to Steve Kerr as a basketball coach, getting those guys to develop, getting those guys better, and I am going to ride the hype. I think the Warriors beat the Lakers in this first game. I don't trust the Lakers. I know LeBron is LeBron and in the playoffs, he turns it on and it's super uncomfortable to bet against LeBron in a situation like this. But if I ever was going to do it, I love to back Steph Curry in this situation. Give me the word. Exactly, Zach.
1: Perfectly said. If you was ever going to bet against LeBron James, it would come to Steph Curry's age. You You would say it's Steph Curry that's going to send LeBron James to the other playing game that they would have to win. Um, I would say this, man. When you look at the Lakers, and I briefly mentioned it last week on the show, Zach, I think that they cop and please. I think that they know that this is not their year. You see all the excuses that's already being built. You see Anthony Davis taking a three-pointer. Oh, my back, my back. You know, I think they really feel like the injuries has hindered them. The path to the championship is not going to be as easier as it was last year. Being the number one seed, playing in the bubble, it's going to be much harder. And I just like what Stephen Curry is doing right now, man. This guy... You know, he takes some flack for whatever reason. A lot of people like to come at Stephen Curry. But to be honest, the Hall of Fame was a couple of days ago. He should have been in that Hall of Fame, even though he's still playing. That's what he meant. That's what he has meant for basketball in this generation, changing the game. A lot of guys, they idolize Curry. And you see dudes, you know, shooting from the gym, shooting from the parking lot. Stephen Curry is that guy you got to go as soon as you come out the locker room, to be honest with you. And I think he's going to drop a 40-piece. I think that Wiggins, that's a guy... That I'm looking forward to, man. Wiggins, show me something because last couple of games he's been balling. He's been balling throughout the whole year, but Wiggins know that he has the potential to turn it on, and I think that he will in this playing game.
2: Oh man, this is just this is a big advocation to keeping a playing tournament, man. Uh, yeah. Kirby versus LeBron, seven eight. This is the big. This is the big um playoff you want to see. If it was other way around, no playing tournament, you would have had. Los Angeles versus Phoenix instead, and Golden State versus Utah instead, you know. But we get to see Curry versus LeBron early, and this you is, know one game setting. I love it. It's, it's a beautiful setting. It's very reminiscent to the NCAA tournament, if exactly, not mistaken. Bro, you know, exactly. you how many how many NCAA games LeBron played? <laughs> Axis exactly. was zero. There you go. And this is go. gonna be an amazing game. I love it. I love this environment that's gonna be placed in. You know, Stephen A. saying Steph Curry's the most dangerous player on the court. It's going to rile up LeBron. You know, LeBron, we're going to see LeBron's A game or 80% of his A game because, you know, that ankle injury. This The Lakers team and the Warriors team have been martyred with injuries. You know, we got the biggest injury with Klay Thompson and the Warriors. And then you got a, a bunch of players being hurt. Dennis Schroeder, A.D., LeBron. I just think Curry is going to turn it up another level that we haven't seen him do in a very long time. He's done it throughout the season, getting 62 points. I think he mimics similar production in a 50-point game and gets the Warriors that W.
0: So we're all in agreement, wow, that the Warriors will beat the Lakers. So that would mean uh, the Lakers would – in another winner go home game against the winner of Spurs Grizzlies. I assume we're all on the same page. Yeah, we're we on the same. We even got going to yeah. that. Lakers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But hey, I, I like, I love the Grizzlies. I just wanted to say I think they're going uh, in the right direction. But let's continue with our West first round predictions and then we will give a finals prediction and then get out of here. So if the Warriors win against the Lakers, that would make them the seventh seed, which would give us Lakers and Utah in round one. This would be a phenomenal series. Um, these are two teams that they've been in the news a little bit together since uh, the All-Star break when LeBron, uh, on the night of the draft, was said, you know, there's a reason why they're the Utah Jazz. There's a reason why uh, they always get picked last in 2K. And, Will, I see the, the hesitation on your face already When before the question even came out of my mouth. I think this is a super even series. I, I don't feel so comfortable either way. I'm going to take the Lakers to beat the Jazz. I think Donovan Mitchell, the fact that he has not been in the lineup the last couple of games, could be Utah's uh, downfall. And it's no disrespect to the Jazz, just the Lakers are not a, a normal eight seed. And I think the fact that in a weird NBA COVID season, we're seeing the results of that. If you guys remember the last time, there, or two, the second time ago, there was an NBA lockout, the Knicks were the eight seed. I believe it, it was in 99. And they beat the one seed Heat. We see weird results like that. I think the Lakers uh, pull off the upset if you want to call it and beat the Jazz.
2: I agree. I think the Lakers. I think the Lakers beat the Jazz. Um, you know, nothing against the Jazz. They're a great defensive team. Uh, but, you know, as a team defense, they have a good offensive. You know, unit passing the ball, getting people open. I just feel like um, AD and LeBron's would be a little bit too much for them. I like Schroeder a lot. I think he's going to be a little bit too much for Mike Conley to handle. Even though I love Mike Conley, I'm a big Conley fan. I just see the Lakers um, surpassing everything they could throw at them. And um, I feel that the Lakers are going to go to the second round.
1: Look. Well, yeah, when you look at Donovan Mitchell and his playoff performance last year against the Nuggets, he would have to kind of replicate that same thing and duplicate that same performance to send the Lakers packing, you know. And I, I just don't think it's going to be possible. I do like that Isaiah mentioned what they do on the defensive end. I think that they're a very great defensive team. They play good team basketball. And they're more than capable of sending the Lakers home. And I think that if you're Woody Gobert and you're Donovan Mitchell, you saw LeBron James outright disrespect you on national television during that draft, and they basically left y'all last. So y'all should be wanting to beat his ass. That's how y'all should be looking at it. But I just think that LeBron James, he has a habit of taking some dude's hearts out, you know, in the playoffs. And he did it with Toronto. He basically owned Toronto. I won't be surprised if he's the GM. Of Toronto in the future, the way how he owned them, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going. He's going to own Utah. I'm going to take the Lakers in a in seven. I'm going with seven here. Okay. I was yeah. hesitant. I was saying six. I like them. I like Utah. Give me set, Lakers in seven.
2: I think five. I'll go <laughs> six.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Continuing on the Warriors, we have them coming out of the plane as the seventh seed. They'll take on Phoenix. I'll start it off. I am on this uh, Phoenix on bandwagon. I love what Chris Paul has been doing. I don't think. There's been a more impactful move uh, from this previous offseason than CP3. I think he should be neck in neck for the MVP conversation with Mr. Jokic. And I know the numbers don't necessarily suggest it, but the fact is, the Phoenix Suns, before this season, boys, they haven't been to the playoffs in 10 years. This guy instantly comes in, and boom, instantly they are a top two seed out West. I obviously love Steph Curry, but I think the Suns play such cohesive ball as a unit. I love this team. I will take them over the Warriors in five.
2: I agree. Uh, I think uh, I'm honestly to say shout out to Monty Williams. Shout out to, you know, James Jones doing a great job over there. Um, I just think um, the different gonna have a great time in his debut playoff series. Um, I like Michael Bridges. I like DeAndre Ayton. I like their um, son's core and my boy Cameron Payne, you know, OKC favorite. I love him. And um, I just think they're going to be too much of the handle. Well, so you're thing you're do. an
0: OKC guy, so you must like Chris Paul, too. You know what he's oh, all about.
2: Of course. I love Chris Paul. CP3. You, gotta, you have to love him. Can't, you you can't can't get cool with that? I
0: still can't believe what he did last year, man. Unbelievable.
2: He's yeah, unbelievable. I had
0: him in the MVP
1: discussion. I had him in Dark Horse MVP last year. And I know I was in the minority. But that doesn't, you know, phase me. I, I see what I see on the court. There's impact alone. Each team has gotten better. And the team he's left, they have gotten worse. That's your resume. That speaks for itself. I don't care about the glamorous stats that pop out like Mary Poppins, I don't care. You feel me? I, I know exactly based on my eye test and I can look with my own two eyes, who's the best player on the floor? And most times and not, that's CP3. And once again, it is with the Suns. And I think, you know, he's done wonders for Aiden. I think that Ayton, you know, being able to get to the rack, you got CP3, like obviously he got that mid-range game. He loves his mid-range shot as well. I like the core. I like Mikel Bridges. I thought Mikel Bridges has been consistent throughout the whole year. Also, you had Booker, obviously. He's, going to, he's a walking bucket. You have him. Cameron Payne off that bench. I like him as well. Give me the Suns to beat the Warriors
0: in the first round of the playoffs in five. I'm taking the Suns in five. Mm-hmm. So we all got uh, the Suns in five. Moving on, 3-6. This is an interesting one. Denver and Portland, these two teams played a classic, classic seven-game series a couple of years ago in the second round. They meet again in round one. I think Denver gets their payback. It sucks what happened to Jamal Murray. He is one of my favorite players in the league. And I think he was ready to lead this team on a Michael big, big run. NPJ, a guy who this was the mystery man in college. This guy was hyped up to me as the next big thing. He, Everyone was telling me that he was going to be what Zion was in college. And he couldn't stay healthy. It's super unfortunate. Back injuries are super, super scary. And unfortunately, that continued into his first couple years in the NBA. But. What I love about Denver is that redshirt system they got going on. They use it with Bull Bull. They use it with uh, MPJ. And I think they're such a well-coached team. Plus, you got uh, one of the best players in the league in Jokic. I love their role players. And I just think they're the tougher team than Portland. I think they'll get their payback. I like Denver in six. I just want to add on to that, Zach. MPJ, I'm, I'm proud of his brother
1: because, you know, you see some dudes in the NBA, some stars that you you like, their ceiling is through the roof. If they get that opportunity, and sometimes they never get that opportunity, they never live up to those lofty expectations. But I'm seeing Michael Porter Jr. blossom, blossoming in, in my in front of my eyes, you know, especially with Murray going down. I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, I think that Michael Porter Jr. may never be that guy that we want him to be if he stays on Denver, because he's a guy that he needs to have the ball, he needs to be that number one guy. You know, I feel like him being that number three guy, for example, Zach, we all know Denver. Right, A lot of dudes, when they leave Denver, some of them, they become these stars. Jeremy Grant, Eli. Jeremy Grant, he was playing third fiddle, fourth fiddle. Now he goes the to You know what I'm saying? But yeah. he wasn't going to be that if he stayed there. That's the point. He was never going to be that if he stayed there because you have Jokic with the ball and Murray. So it's all about opportunities. Yeah, and Porter. And it's all about opportunities. And Porter, with the injury to Murray, is getting his opportunity. And I actually would say a hot take here. Um, I actually think the Nuggets are better right now without Murray with Porter. So, I am I like the Nuggets to win a close series. I love the Trailblazers. I love Damian Lillard. Obviously, he can take over a game. CJ McCollum, that backcourt. I love the pieces that they have. They have Covington as well, 3 and D guy. I like their roster. I think that they had a couple series a couple years ago. They had a series a couple years ago that went seven games. I think we're going to see... Um, history repeats itself. But in this case, Denver will come out on top in
2: seven. I think this is like the first time I've seen a Portland, a healthy Portland team going into the playoffs. We got a healthy CJ, we got a healthy Dame, Nurkic, Mello, Covington. That roster is healthy and I see them cause an upset against Denver. I think they're going to make some problems with Porter because they know he's the hot hand. They're going to make some problems and force Jokic to force some shots to force him to do things he's not accustomed to doing. And um, Jokic is a tough guard as it is, but I think they're going to force him to overwork himself and um, shut down the rest of the roster. So I got Portland winning that um, series uh, in six.
0: So, one last series. Yeah, we got one last series, and we'll move on to the NBA final prediction. Clippers and Mavericks, I'll go quick here. I like the Clippers in this series. I think that they're going to be out on a mission to at least get out of the first round. If they were to lose in the first round this year, it would be a failure. And then I don't really know where they would go from here. I love Luka Doncic. I love Dallas, but they are a little bit of, they are almost like Portland. They're soft. And I just don't trust them to win an in the mud game against a tough team like the Clippers, led by Kawhi and Paul George. I'll take the Clippers in six.
1: Yeah, give me the Clippers in five. I think that they're not going to play around with the Mavericks because the Mavericks, if Paul didn't get hurt, probably would have bounced them in that game last year in that series. I'm going to go with Clippers real quickly
0: here in the five.
2: Uh, I agree. I think Clippers in five. I just hope they don't become inconsistent as they normally are. I see them winning in five as well.
0: Okay, so uh, quick NBA Finals predictions. Who comes out of the East, who comes out of the West, and who wins it all?
1: I'm Clippers with... in the Nets. Okay, I like that. Clippers and the Nets. I think the Clippers is going to rebound from that debacle they had last year. And I like the Nets. I think that they're going to have that big three. They're going to have that big three. And, yet yeah, they don't have the chemistry yet. But I just think that it all ends with the talent in the NBA. Talent always wins. Give me the Nets. I think the Nets will do it in six
2: against the Clippers. I see the Nets versus Lakers. Uh, I think Nets are going to beat the Lakers in um, six as well. Oh, I think one last KD versus LeBron matchup is going to be um, nice to see.
0: Wow, this is super, super tough. i I still haven't even made a decision yet. I'm going back and forth. I'm gonna agree with Will that we get Clippers nets, but I'm gonna take the Clippers to win. Um, but look, I think Phoenix is a real contender. My 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 in at West, I was like Clippers Phoenix, Clippers Phoenix. I think that there is that... a very good chance that whoever comes out could win the whole thing. And uh I just everything I believe about basketball tells me Brooklyn isn't gonna win, just way too little experience playing with each other. Yo, it was a pleasure. Isaiah, thank you for
1: coming on the show. We got to do this again. We definitely got to do this again.
2: Thank you for having me, man. Great
1: show, boys. All right, y'all. See y'all. See y'all, man.